0: Hello and welcome to Pragmatic Live, Pragmatic Marketing's webinar and podcast series where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product teams. My name is Rebecca Calajaris, I'm the Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Marketing and more importantly to you, host for today's event. Now many of you are already familiar with Pragmatic Marketing, but for those of you not familiar with us before today, welcome to the family. Pragmatic Marketing specializes in training companies and product teams on how to be truly market-driven. We provide techniques for listening to the market and gathering market facts and then using those facts to shape strategies and drive execution, and we've been doing this and doing it quite successfully for nearly 25 years. Every month, we focus on one of the boxes of the Pragmatic Marketing Framework and provide extra tools, tips, and best practices that you can put to use immediately to help elevate your product and your career. We're focused on collateral. And helping us tackle this box is a good friend of Pragmatic Marketing, Rod Griffith, founder and president of Market Reach, perhaps the best B2B marketing firm you've never heard of, as they work behind the scenes helping some of the world's most successful technology companies market their products. Hello, Rod, and thanks for joining us.
1: Good afternoon. Glad to be here.
0: Excellent. All right, Rod, I know you have a lot to cover today on a topic that we're both very passionate about. So without further ado, I'm going to let you get started.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. We're going to tell you a little bit about, um, uh, we're really here to talk about, you know, transforming the customer relationships using sales collateral. And um, to do that, we're going to talk about a mapping process that we use to help our clients map their collateral to the buyer's journey. And then we'll look at some of the content creation elements that really need to go into collateral. I've got some tips that will help you. Uh, Specifically, we're going to talk about something called personal value messaging, and then we'll talk about some tips for actual collateral development, some things you should be thinking about as you create collateral, as well. Some of the newer technologies that are available uh, and coming up down the pike that are really going to make um, transform the way we communicate to our clients collectively. I want to back up because I really love the uh, Pragmatic Marketing Framework. Uh, Specifically, if you look at the sort of cluster here that's focused on the tactical programs, I appreciate and uh, applaud the fact that collateral and sales tools, which are very related, are in the sort of the center of this cluster um, because our company basically develops and manages all these types of programs. Other than training, we manage and develop all types of marketing programs and campaigns for technology companies. We've been doing that. Um, actually, we started the same year that Pragmatic did. So we have similarly coming up in our 25th anniversary next year, which is fun. <laughs> and what we like about this is the fact that, that collateral and sales tools really are in the center because they are overlooked often in terms of their impact on the success of marketing programs, lead generation campaigns, channels and partner programs, event programs. Uh, and oftentimes collateral, and I'm probably not surprising anybody on the, uh, who's on the call today, that collateral is often a sort of a reactionary effort in response to, oh my God, we have an event coming up, we have a trade show, we need some collateral. We have a new product announcement, we need some collateral. Our, my VP is giving a talk next month and you have some collateral. And it can be very, very reactionary. And a lot, a lot of strategy or thought goes into the collateral planning process. And so we're going to look at some things that you can be doing to really help turn that around, make collateral more strategic to your marketing efforts. And when we talk about um, transforming the customer relationships, we have to look at what we call the B2B selling paradigm spectrum, which is basically a, a change in how uh, we are beginning to communicate and companies are beginning to really look at how they – sell and communicate to their customers. If you're selling features and still in the product phases where you're really your sale is really a product sale and your sales force is really trained to sell features and benefits around products and, uh, and services, you know, that, there's a challenge to that. You know, as you know, it's, a ch- it's difficult differentiation these days, especially with technology products. You have a risk of being commoditized. Price is often the biggest negotiating difference and a lot of sales opportunities. And generally speaking, you're more likely to be known at the functional levels. You're known by your users and the technologists that use your solutions and products at that level. And therefore, your relationship is pretty much somewhat of a traditional vendor-supplier relationship with most of your customers. Over the past 15, 20 years, you've seen a big shift in the technology industry in terms of focusing towards a solution selling approach. I'm sure many of you may have been to training courses on solution selling strategies. It really is about how do we solve specific business problems or technical problems or tactical problems for our customers, and how do we approach our sales effort from the solution problem sort of point of view, and that does provide a stronger differentiation, and the good news is as you, if you've tried that effort, you'll see those less price-focused situations because once you've proven your capability to solve a problem, there's value to that, right? But still, you generally are known, your relationships exist at the departmental level. It could be the manufacturing operations, it could be finance organizations, it could be the supply chain organizations, for example. And you're sort of seen as a solution provider at that level. Many of our clients now are really trying to train their sales organizations and change their strategies and selling strategies to focus on really leading first with strategic relationships and trying to prove the strategic value. And in those situations, it's, it's you're really, you're, you're leading with trying to prove your strategic ability to help your customers accelerate those critical corporate goals or overcome those really difficult corporate strategic challenges. And the relationship itself, if you're successful, can become your strongest differentiator because at that point you're really seen uh, as an advisor, as an as a partner as opposed to a vendor or a, or a provider, for example. So what you need to do is sort of make an honest assessment of where you are today and figure out, well, where are we on the B2B selling spectrum today and where do we want to be or need to be in the future? And that really is about changing and evolving those customer relationships, okay? And so we're going to talk about how collateral can impact that and how you can approach that. Now, there's some common knowledge up there. I'm sure you've seen the studies about how customers are at least 50 to 7% of the way down their buyer's journey before they want to engage with you. In fact, some studies go as high as 90%. So the sort of common belief that, oh, I see, the problem is, is that we're reaching them in the early stages of the of the buying journey and they don't really want to engage with us until the later stages of the buying journey and so we have this thing called a customer touch gap where we're issuing leads too prematurely to our salespeople and they're getting they're falling off the map or generally we're not getting a response from the customers because we're too early in their decision cycles and that's a dangerous assumption to make in terms of, the, of, of, of making concluding the fact that you don't want to reach them until later in their buyer's journey because the reality is is that it's not an issue of the fact that you're trying to reach them too early. We found that it's really an issue of trying to sell to them too early in their buyer's journey. And there's a big difference. In fact, a recent study by Serious Decisions showed that about 60% of B2B buyers say they receive information from their winning vendors to help them in the earliest stages of their buying journey. So it's not that winning vendors are not in touch with them early. It's just that they're not selling them. They're not pitching to them. They're not trying to push products or solutions at them early on in those, in those, in those stages. They're trying to help. Um, uh, n- nurture them, help inform them, help educate them. And that's why we look at the strategy as saying you really need to focus on relationship incubation in those early stages and move towards a selling approach as the customer moves down that buyer's journey. And we'll talk more about what that means. So when you want to map to the buyer's journey, we have to add another segment because there's an internal segment called planning, obviously, that the customer doesn't see that we want to add to that segment. But we want to map sales collateral to the buyer's journey. We need to add that on there. And the goal here as a marketer is to understand what stages your sales opportunities are most often impeded or thwarted at a particular buyer's journey, for example. So and the only way to do that is you've got to talk to your sales organization. They're the people that know. And it can be some of our clients or some very big companies. Again, it's very easy to get lost in the corporate world and not spend a lot of time as a marketer really talking to customers or to the sales organization. So it's really important that you don't lose sight. That's critical that you talk to the sales organization and salespeople regularly to get feedback on where those sales opportunities are getting slowed down or impeded. And then the goal there is to say, okay, do we have the right sales content and the right sales tools and collateral to help accelerate those stages? Do we have the right sales tools to do that? Because you want to be creating sales tools that have the most impact on moving the customer and accelerating the customer down that buying journey, and, and there's an awful lot of collateral. We couldn't go through all the possible combinations of collateral that existed in stage, but I want to focus on two types of collateral pieces that exist in the planning stage: sales messaging maps and sales playbooks, because I think they're often overlooked or certainly misunderstood. And, and talk a little about what they do. A messaging map really is a, a chance to define really the sort of common set of language that you're going to use when you're targeting specific decision makers and influencer personas that you're trying to reach. It really is a chance to collect together the information that's going to help ensure that you've got consistent positioning, consistent branding, tone of voice, and the messaging, and the point is regardless of the content writer or the vehicle that you're going to use to communicate. If you create a successful messaging map, you should be able to hand it to any writer, any content producer for any type of collateral piece that you're creating, and it should all make the content and the feel, and the messaging, and the tone feel like it was coming from one person, basically. And this is an internal document, so it doesn't need to be fancy. We like to make it available in Word documents because it's the most easy to access and to take out and, 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 uh, and use the content, basically. Messaging map, of course, would be the t- sort of the strategy, the hierarchy of messaging, the typical target audiences, what's our primary themes, what's our primary sales message, what's our primary value proposition. And we look at elevator pitches. And elevator pitches, you really need to divide by audience for every audience. When I say audience, each of those target personas, including an influencers, for example. And then you move into key supporting point messaging and all of the content for key supporting messages but once you have this map in place like i said it really is a useful tool and and get a lot of usage in creating that and helping to really move towards a consistent messaging we'll talk later on how that can impact the cloud specifically sales playbooks is a really hot focus area now for internally focused um, marketing sales tools at the planning stage a sales playbook really equates to football plays right in a football play A play is basically a a, a series of strategies and tactics combined together in synchronization where each player knows their role and and when they're synchronized together effectively and executed effectively, it moves the ball down the field basically, right? And it's effective in doing that. Well, it's the same situation with a sales playbook. It really is uh, the overall sales and marketing approach that makes sure everyone is on target with who you're targeting, why you're targeting them, what are the critical messaging, what's the strategies you're gonna use, who are the players that are involved? Can to be involved? And in? what's their role at each stage of that of that effort? And then, of course, documenting what's our metrics to show that we've moved our ball down the field, for example. So, that really is a critical uh, a critical uh, document that can really help um, uh, make sure that your sales organization and uh, are all on the same page when it comes to uh, marketing approaches. The biggest question we get asked is, or well, what what goes into a sales playbook content? So. In in a specific uh, playbook and it differs of course according to your products and your market focus and other challenges you may have around technologies and things like that but in general these are the kind of things that you want to focusing on Uh, a point to note is some of the critical things that are often missing from these things is things like when to walk away it's really important that you communicate not just how to sell who to sell to but when to walk away is you can save a lot of time and money specifically in making sure people walk away at the right moment as soon as they know there's just not an opportunity for you because of the situation of the customer because of the competitive situation for whatever it happens to be but other things might include you know why we win why we lose what are the objections we're gonna to expect to get how do we overcome those objections what happens if the decision is delayed how do we overcome that for example so it really is a complete um, a complete playbook to help uh, help people understand how to approach that marketplace and sales playbooks nicely can once you 've developed them they can be used in, in in all different formats. you can convert them into sales play training presentations and other types of documents and, and the form is not as important as the content um, you know for larger clients with large sales organizations, these are often built into sales what we call sales portals and i 'll talk about that later and how they can help too. So the next stage is the informed stage. At the informed stage, it's really important to, to note that you're not really selling products at this stage. The goal here is to inform, to guide, to educate, and to motivate customers through their buying journey, but not to pitch products or solutions. So they need to be highly educational, informative. They need to really focus on um, providing um, professional value to that person in their job to make them better at what they do. The selling process happens later, but they want material and content that really is going to help them in their careers and help them be a better employee for the organization, help them overcome particular challenges. So it's a way to start, begin to create awareness for what those critical pain points that you focus on, but not really get too details into your specific solutions at all at that stage. Now, the consider stage is where uh, most sales collateral exists today. Um, it's typically the sort of outbound marketing stage of of, of sales tools and i need to step back and talk a little bit about one of the challenges that exist in all of marketing today which is that most uh marketing programs and campaigns use a, a, what we call a pulse style marketing effort where you launch a campaign and very quickly you generate some 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 uh awareness but that awareness rapidly decays very very quickly after that campaign's launched if any of you have ever done an email campaign i'm sure most of you have you 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 can you, you probably have seen the results right which is 90 95 percent somewhere in that range of all of your opportunities and all of your responses happen in the first 24 hours Maybe you might get five or seven percent over the next 24 hours after that and after that it's pretty much a trickle because the awareness level decays very very rapidly so you have this challenge where you've generated you put all this energy into generating awareness and then it decays really quickly. And that really minimizes your reach opportunity of when you're you know you're hoping that you're reaching people at just the right time when the need of the pain that you saw for them is high enough on their priority list to say, oh, I gotta pay attention to respond to this and do something about this. And that really minimizes the opportunity you have. you really and what happens is you're you're counting on luck, uh, the, the stroke of luck that you happen to reach people at the right time. Well, we look at things differently and say, okay, well how do we take that awareness that we've created through that effort, and how do we extend that awareness over time? And that's what we define as mindshare, is simply taking that awareness and extending it over time so that you're not relying on just the sheer luck of reaching people at the right lucky time, That you have expanded your effective reach opportunity period so that you don't need to worry so much about the luck involved with the process because you're maintaining uh, that relationship and you're incubating that relationship, well, relationship incubation over time, basically. And that's where sales collateral can really really help that process and the net effect is if you do that successfully what happens is is that prospect sitting in their boss's office you know could be six months from now even a year from now and the boss says you know we got to focus on this on this problem we need to change our priorities and shift some resources really focus on this you want that light bulb to go off in that context head that says oh i know a company that can help i know exactly who can help and that's not going to happen if they've been getting these pulse style marketing vehicles from you every few months, basically. It's only going to happen if you've been establishing an awareness and maintaining that awareness, that, that mind share over time. So it's really critical to understand that strategy. Now, the types of collateral that exist at the stage is a wide variety. These are very traditional collateral pieces here, right, brochures and guides and mailers and white papers and case studies and things. So there's a lot more, but these are kind of the most popular ones. But I want to focus on two, again, that are often overlooked, which is sales battle cards and, and whiteboard storytelling guides. A sales battle card is a really valuable internally focused piece. It really is sort of designed as a brush-up study for your salespeople. I think of it this way. If you have a salesperson who's been trying to get into a key contact decision maker for a long time, they finally get an opportunity. They're sitting outside the office or maybe in the lobby or in the parking lot. They've got 15 minutes free. What do they study? What do they brush up on? And that really is your chance, so the battle card is your chance to really tightly provide for them exactly the things they should be studying up on to get ready for that sales call, the primary elevator pitches, what are the critical pain points and questions and qualifying questions to look for, what objections to be aware from, when they, you should know to walk away, when, they're gonna, when you, there's a chance you're gonna lose, and really it's designed to really fine tune their their uh, approach that they're fitting and matching against your, your, your proper business and the playbook. It really is ties to a playbook, right? And function is more important, again, once over form. These are internal, so we've created them as you know, simple little compact uh, you know, sheets like this, one-sided sheets like this. We've done them as accordion pocket pullouts for example, or index cards. The format's not as important as, as the function of getting of the information that you want to have there. So at the consider stage, uh, another tool that's really valuable is called the Whiteboard Storytelling Guide. We have found and studies have shown certainly that, that, uh, that um, a salesperson is able to get up in front of a customer with nothing but a whiteboard and a marker and tell us a compelling story of your company or your products or your services can really, really have an impactful sales engagement. And the problem is you know, not, every, not every salesperson is an artist or has the, the kind of uh, uh, ability to really think this through and think strategically how to tell the story in a way that's compelling and brief and tight and easy to understand. And so we work with our clients to build these storytelling guides, which is an internal document that tells the salespeople, okay, here's how to go tell our story with a marker on a whiteboard. And it tells them step by step. Here's what you draw. Here's what you say. And uh, it really is a valuable tool. They're uh, they're not that hard to do. If you've got one person, uh, oftentimes we'll engage a field person who's really good at it. Oftentimes the company might have one or two well-known salespeople who have been doing it a long time or really, really known for their compelling um, uh, whiteboard storytelling, and we'll use them in the process to plan and build these types of tools for other salespeople to use. They're fantastic for younger and newer salespeople too, as well too, gets them up to speed much faster. And the proof is in the sales, the selling effort too that makes their selling process um, and their engagements much more successful. So another type of tool to think about. At the evaluation stage, of course, you're really now at the point now where you're really trying to help your customers evaluate and assess the solutions available to them uh, and the alternative options they've got available. And so there's a number of types of collateral tools available at the evaluation stage you need to be thinking about if you don't have them in place, how to after certain competitors, how to deal, you know, promoting analysts and benchmark data and things like that to help really through the, the assessment process. There's also a category I want to point here called we call it why outsource category, which is, and this is an interesting thing, um, at, at seminar, live seminars, I'll oftentimes ask, ask an audience to write down the name of their most formidable competitor. And in probably 90% of the cases or more, people write down the name of a third-party company. But in probably 75% of those cases, they're going to be wrong because most companies, most, compar- more, most formidable competitor is a decision to do nothing. is a decision to is status quo, or perhaps do it themselves. But so you're up against a, a very powerful custom, a, a, a competitor in that decision to do nothing. And yet 95 or more percentage of your sales tools at the evaluation stage are focused on showing how, why we're better than the other vendors in the marketplace. So you're missing an opportunity to really improve your, um, your selling uh, upp- um, skills, really, and your, and, your, and your opportunities to win business by not focusing enough on that why outsource content messaging. And this is an example for an IT services company. It says, Managing Your Own IT Infrastructure, an Executive Decision Guide. Designed for executives, when they read it, it'll pretty much designed to scare them to death when it comes to doing it on their own. It's designed to help them understand the realities and the, and the possible downfall and the risks involved with trying to manage their own IT infrastructure on their own. Sometimes it sounds very simple on paper, but but we work uh, and create collateral sales tools to make it really clear that those things can be very, very challenging. And those are, are really important types of um, collateral at the evaluation stage. At the decision or decide stage, there really isn't a lot of sales tools available. It's really, because you're really at this point now trying to tip the person over the fence to make and get them to sign that uh, sign that proposal and sign that um, agreement and so but there are some tools especially incentives pricing information there's proposal building sales tools that are available there's software products as well to help you build sales proposals trade-in and trade-up programs things like that but again we have a called why act now presentations and material why is now is, is the challenge of overcoming the objection that says we like your solution we think your product is best in the marketplace. We think the price is reasonable. It seems to make sense. We just don't think we need to do it until next year's budget. And so you've won the business but lost the battle, I guess you can say. And so the why act now types of collateral pieces are pieces that say, hey, here's a reason why you should be doing it now and not later. And that could be incentive-based, or it could be fear-based. It doesn't matter. It's whatever matches your particular solutions. It's tools that help them make that final decision that says, you know what, we're better off not waiting. We're better off doing it now. So when you look at that spectrum of buyer's journey and you you sort of map out and assess your current collateral and just map it and list it against each one of the where where, which category it best fits in terms of which stage of the buyer's journey your collateral best supports, and map that out and see what you have available and see where you find gaps. And where you have gaps, your job, of course, is to start to fill those gaps, prioritize, and start to build the right sales tools that map against where you've got those weaknesses. There's no point in, in putting lots of energy into lots more, uh, sales collateral for the consider stage if you've already got tons of materials available and the field doesn't have any issue with that stage they seem to be doing fine with that stage if your sales people are telling you that we're getting stuck in the evaluation stage we need better information regarding competitive research or benchmark data or tools that help us uh, our, our customers get through that evaluation period that's where you need to place your priority and again as I said up front most, it's a very simple process here, it's not that hard, but most companies fail to follow any type of real strategy when it comes to collateral development. It's very much reacting and mostly reacting to events and to specific tactical needs that are coming up on someone's schedule, right? So it's a very simple process to do that and very valuable. Now, content. When it comes to creating content, um, there's a few very simple little tips I think are really valuable. First of all, it's really, really important that you know what keeps your customers up at night. Because your messaging needs to focus on on the things that keep your customers up at night what happens if you're not focused on the the challenges and issues that keep customers up at night then you're at risk of being a luxury or to put it simply to being a wanna-have instead of a gotta-have and you want to be a gotta have right so you want to be making sure that really you truly understand what keeps your customers up at night and there's basically two categories are very two simple categories that tends to fall into one is business performance, achieving a specific set of goals they've been given, and the second one is risks and fear. And research has shown time and time again over the years that risk and fear is probably two to one a stronger component than uh, achieving a specific goal. So when you're looking at what keeps your customers up at night, start to see what those risks and fears are first because they're very compelling messaging can focus on that. Once you've got that, and you've heard this in many of the pragmatic training as well too, which is Focus on how you're best able to help them achieve business outcomes. You know, Don't spend the first 10 minutes telling who you are, your background, your history. And I've seen 100 PowerPoint presentations, where I promise you, somewhere in the first three slides is the company history, maybe a map of the world showing where all of your sales offices are, for example, or, um, or, or your background, your years in business, or marketplaces that you service, for example. Think about focusing those presentations and that content on how to um, help them achieve specific business outcomes first and foremost. The next thing is, speak at the level people are trying to reach. If you don't, you're going to be relegated to that level. So if you're trying to move from where you're mostly talking to functional users and technologists, you're trying to learn as a company, how do I reach higher up into business line, department managers, um, uh, and other types of uh, business decision makers? You can't keep talking about bit and bytes and about functions and specifications and things that you used to talk about all the time to your users. You need to be thinking about how do I talk at the level of people I want to reach, basically. Because if you don't, and you go in there talking too technical, they're going to say, "Uh, this sounds interesting, but you need to go talk to Mary down in the IT lab and talk to her because she's going to understand this better. And you're going to get pushed down to the the people you already know, basically, right? Same at the executive level. You need to be talking to the level they want to talk to, which is very strategic, high level, key corporate goal types of relations and things like that. The next thing is when you're looking at each type of collateral that you're creating, their, their demographics, what's their roles, responsibilities, what do they worry about, what are their fears, understand that and be sure to also focus on your influencers. It's oftentimes missed in sales collateral. We get so focused on decision makers, we don't realize how important decision makers are, so we fail to think about how to provide content in sales collateral that speaks to, to influencers. The next thing is if you're, t- if you're trying to reach higher up into your organizations and talk to decision makers, it's really critical that you say something that they can't hear from their circle of trusted contacts. If you're going in trying to communicate and, and trying to provide information that talks uh, to uh, anything that they can get from their internal staff or from peers that they know or from even other trusted vendors they've had relationships with, if you're going in talking about the kind of things that they can get through word of mouth or through conversation with those, with those peers and those other contacts, you're not going to get much attention. You need to be telling something new they haven't heard before. And then finally, there's this great quote from Mark Twain, which says basically, it's not what you don't know that kills you. It's what you know for sure that ain't true. I love that because it's so true that we tend to make assumptions that we all believe are true. And one of the biggest assumptions I think is uh, really need to focus on is we all tend to think that in the world of B2B technology purchasing, most decisions are made through a mostly objective process of evaluation assessment against specific business criteria and uh, and there isn't a lot of emotion involved in the sales buying process when it comes to expensive technology products and solutions for business but the reality is is, uh, that studies new studies are showing that's not true emotions matter far more than we've naturally thought in the past in fact a recent study by CEB as you see here shows that emotions can have twice as much impact when it comes to personal value understanding the personal value that your products bring to that decision maker can have twice as much value and impact on the, on the outcome of the sale than the business value. And why is that? Well, when you think about it, the business value that your solution provides or products provides is probably not that different than the business value that your competitors are saying. So they're hearing very similar information from your competitors about the business value of these types of solutions and products. But personal value is overlooked. So companies that go in and, and, and have the, uh, the insight to talk about the personal value in their product are going to get benefit through that sales process. And the data shows that the challenge in the kind of the cash 22 is here is that most customers see personal value in your product so your customers see the personal value the problem is most non-customers do not in other words people need to use or be buyers or users of your product before they truly see the personal value they don't have anywhere near as much belief in that personal value if they haven't actually become a customer so now you got this cash 22 Well, how do I get a customer to buy my product and they can't see that personal value and the reason why this, this, I think, why this, this big gap exists is precisely because we don't talk about it. We don't add personal value in our messaging. We assume that messaging should all be factual business value messaging. And so in the light blue here, you just see in the light blue on the stack here, this hierarchy of messaging is what you typically will see most often in business messaging and, and technology messaging. What's missing is that personal value messaging, which is, Hey, how can I help you get noticed or improve your reputation? Or how can I help you stand out against your peers? Or maybe it's about reducing stress or getting medication that you've always wanted. You need to understand what's the personal value that your solutions bring to the equation and make sure they're part of your messaging to make a real differentiation for you. Now, when you look at now, I've mapped out all the tools we talked about earlier in the presentation. I've mapped them out here against the typical stages of the of the buyer's journey where they match. And I'll circle the ones here in blue with the ones that Really can add, really are, are can be effectively add improved with personal value messaging. So there's a lot. The bottom line is there's a lot of opportunity to add that personal value messaging to your sales collateral today. Because I'm guessing if you're like most of, most of the companies we work with, and I'll admit even ourselves sometimes we don't, we often just don't think about the personal value messaging the way we should. Now, why is it important? Well, this is really critical. and Really fascinating data which says that buyers who see your personal value, not only are they more likely to purchase. 71 to 22, but they're also more likely to pay more. They're willing to pay more. So you have an opportunity here to improve your differentiation and gain higher value for your products um, um, simply by adding that personal value messaging to your content of your sales collateral. Okay, some tips, some other tips I think you might find useful in developing collateral. Uh, attention spans are shrinking. You've heard the data, you may have heard the report that in the year 2000, the average attention span of a North American was uh, 12 seconds. In the year 2012, they measured it again. It shrunk down 33% to eight seconds. And uh, as a, a comparison, uh, they've actually measured – I have I have proven this is actually truthful. They measured the attention span of a goldfish to be nine seconds. So the reality is you can actually keep the attention of a goldfish longer than the average American. So how does that impact you when it comes to sales collateral? We, again, I want to emphasize, communicate that primary strategic value message right up front. Wherever possible, two pages or more, you should have a, a at-a-glance summary up front, for, because the reality is, a good portion of your readers are not going to take the time to read the whole document. Even a two-page document these days, they won't take the time. So tell them what they need to know in a brief at-a-glance up-front summary, and you can do it a long ways. And then keep your paragraph sizes short. Try to keep them the minimal five, you know, maximum five lines if you can. Okay, some other tips. Call to actions are really, really important. We know how valuable they are, how vital they are. Keep them simple, make sure it really is an action, make sure you explain why that action is gonna benefit them. Don't just tell them to do something, explain what they're gonna benefit from that, that action. But this is most important and really valuable uh, insights that we've proven, and to give you some idea, we've created easily, I don't know, eight, 10,000 pieces of collateral over our lifetime, so we, we do over 1,000 a year sometimes, so we've done a lot of collateral pieces. When it comes to call to actions, try to look for two optional call to actions. One is designed for prospective customers who are ready to start engaging in the sales process. Those potential customers that are farther down the buyer's journey who happen to be ready to engage in a, in a sales conversation. But make sure you have a second option, optional action for the other 90 plus percent, because most of the people you reach, as we talked about, with your sales collateral are not gonna be at that stage yet. So if you're trying to say, hey, call one or contact one of our experts to talk about your, uh, how we can help you, or watch our, or you know, or uh, rec- um, watch one of our demos, or come to our event, they're not going to do those sort of things at that stage. You need to give them a second option action for for people who really aren't ready to be to engage at that level. So the secondary action that you might want to offer is um you know, download our white paper, uh, sign up for our newsletter. Um, uh, get our free buyer's guide uh, get our five common mistakes document you know simple useful information designed to be used at the informed stage of the of the buyer's journey that doesn't have a lot of sales information at all not about your company and your product It's really about pr- solving business challenges um, with and talking about the um the technologies that can do that and finally <clears throat> wherever possible unless you've got a very simple website with a are a company and maybe has one product or one product family and a simple website it's generally not a good idea to just send people to your home page as a call to action. Uh, once they get to the home page, you have no control over where they go, and what they read, whether they read the right information or gain the right information that you need to have them um, <clears throat> basically infused. And so look at landing pages. They're very simple. Landing pages are like a mini website. It's designed to really control the flow of information, simplify the customer experience, and basically funnel that customer towards very specific call to action options, basically. And a quick little tip when you're developing those landing pages keep the focus narrow use video wherever possible video is very powerful we've got lots of data that shows that video can improve the impact uh, and and the um, uh, time on site when it comes to landing pages and then when you're developing them start with the um uh the mobile version and move towards the uh the the desktop version design for mobile and it's going to work in any format don't if you try to design for desktop and scale down to mobile it's more challenging so a little tip that my development team has asked me to include for you there so so uh, and then if an alternative landing pages there's things called expense calculators and assessment tools They're basically uh, is a call to action where you say hey learn how much you can save money or how much you could lose if you don't do this or yeah, a lot of it's risk oriented you know calculate what how much time you're already wasting on this particular solution because you haven't implemented our technology for example it's a simple easy to use uh, a web landing page designed to get them to do a simple calculation, or in the case of an assessment tool, it's designed for further down the, the buyer cycle where they actually spend 10 to 20 minutes doing a more complete assessment, basically, and provides back a detailed recommendations report. But those can be very valuable to the sales cycle, and again, a very powerful call to actions as a follow up to sales collateral. And finally, there's a lot of new technologies coming out there. The line between digital and print collateral really is continuing to blur, much no, no different than the fact that the line between digital marketing and traditional marketing is pretty much already blurred, right So there's integration of video into electronic collateral. It's been going on for and it gets easier and easier to do because of compression techniques and things like that. So use video wherever possible in electronic collateral. Most collateral we produce I would say it used to be ninety percent of it was printed nowadays maybe maybe 15, twenty percent of our collateral. Is, is printed. Most is never even printed that we produce. So it's on-demand printed, I should say, obviously. And there's Flipbook, books and interactive collateral that allows uh, uh, customers to get information in a, in a more um, uh, interactive fashion that they want to read about. And then you can actually now integrate video into print collateral, which you can embed video players. Or just, as you see here, this is an example of a, of a direct of a, of a marketing piece that we created where it looks like a comic book when you open it up a video player built into the actual collateral begins to play a, a one-minute overview video basically so a really powerful tool obviously not something you're going to be able to afford for everyone but for targeted prospects it can be very very powerful and now there's even the ability to integrate a new techn- uh, technology called near-field communication if you haven't heard of this it's really cool it's like a little Sticker Basically, it's a, it's a, it's a circuit out of, a chip out of a sticker, basically, that you can actually stick on here to your collateral. And when people hold their cell phone over that collateral piece, it automatically plays your video, basically. So those really cool things. And that avoids the kind of challenge of getting people to actually scan a QR code and things like that. So there's new technologies that are happening to really make collateral really cool. And I mentioned earlier sales portals. If you have a large sales force or very or large uh, uh, complex product set, Or if you've got a channel partners or resellers that are selling for you, sales portals are a way way to gather together all of your collateral and your content into a a repository that has a user interface that allows the field people to more intuitively find what they need for a particular sales opportunity. So they log in and say, OK, I've got a customer interest in private cloud. And they click a few buttons, and it basically provides the sales playbooks. And all the materials and presentations are built and provided for them for that opportunity. So it keeps salespeople really focused on consistent messaging for the right solutions, for example. So again, for companies that have larger sales organizations or channels organizations, that can be really, really valuable, basically. And then, uh, so finally, uh, just to sort of sum things up, basically, I'll give this feature. The key takeaways, so I hope you can walk away from today. Um, remember, go back and know where you are on the uh, selling paradigm spectrum and where you want to be, because that's how you're going to drive relationships and the changing the way you sell, basically. Understand at what stages of the buying journey your sales opportunities are being slowed or challenged talk to your sales organization, make sure you talk to your sales organization regularly. And then map your current sales collateral to that buying journey, and therefore look for the gaps and weaknesses that exist against those critical stages of the journey where your sales efforts are most impeded and begin to develop the collateral to, fulfill, to fill those missing weaknesses, those gaps that exist in your collateral portfolio. And then finally, create content that speaks to the right level you wanna reach, and don't forget that personal value messaging critical to think about that personal value messaging that's often missed.
0: That help at all? That was great. All right. First of all, thank you, Rod, for leading us through this great conversation on collateral. Um, Very much appreciate it, and do hope we'll get to to use you again. Okay, that does it for this edition of Pragmatic Live. Thank you for joining us, and have a great rest of the Week.
1: Thank you.